Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Noah Lovo, broadcasting live from the great state of Indiana in a city called Indianapolis. Welcome, welcome to yet another exciting evening where we share some thoughts on some interesting topics. So before we get any further, let me introduce and welcome my uh, co-host on the other side from South Bend, Indiana. This is, of course, none other than Nancy Lele Imasiku. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Thank you so much, Noah. Good evening. Good evening, our listeners. How are you doing? Good morning for people who are in Zambia and the UK. So how are you? Uh, I'm doing good, doing good. So let me say hi to Brother Warren. Brother Warren, welcome to yet another exciting evening. I'd like to say uh, greetings uh, from New Orleans, Louisiana, in the southern part of the United States, home of Mardi Gras, jazz music, and unique cuisine in the United States. That's a great way to start. I've always heard the nice food out there in 
Louisiana. So I'll, I'm planning on making a trip sometime before the end of this year just to come and be part of the festivities that happen out there. So once again, welcome ladies, men, boys and girls, our listeners from across the world. We have folks listening from Zambia and of course we have folks listening from other parts of the world and of course here in the United States in, in on the East Coast, it's exactly 9.04 p.m. Eastern Time. So today we, we are having a continuation from last week. Last week we were discussing uh, nature and spirituality. And this evening we are talking uh, about religion with a special emphasis on Africa because we want to give a background uh, information so that at least our people have a firm understanding on some of the beliefs that we have adopted so that at least we can uh, compare and contrast with other religions. So highlight on areas across the world where uh, the consequences or rather the uh, impacts or negative effects of religion, what has uh, usually something that starts out good, but sometimes it gets hijacked by some certain uh, components uh, causing the, uh, something that started out good to end up not working out according to the intended purpose. So we'll be sharing some thoughts. So as we share some thoughts, sometimes we may say something that most of our listeners may not be uh, familiar with. So when we say something that you're not familiar with, what we encourage and we advise is you can write it down and you can do cross-reference after the show or we can even have conversation uh, during the show. So open up the lines towards the end of the show so that at least we can have some dialogue and conversation. So the number we... We want our listeners to call is, of course, if you're in the United States, it's area code 319-527-6219. Again, the number is 319-527-6219. Of course, you can listen online. The unfortunate thing is when you're listening online, you're not able to ask questions. So hopefully in future, we'll be able to open up the... Uh, the chat so that at least we can take live uh, questions online. So we're working on that. So at this point, let me turn it over to my co-host, Nancy. Hey, Nancy, what are we talking about from your end there? Hey, Noah. Hi. Uh, good evening, listeners. Yesterday we were talking about uh, religion. I know we started out uh, talking about uh, spirituality last week, and then we touched a little bit about religion. And then we connected uh, religion and spirituality to nature. So today we'll talk more about religion. As I was looking at it, I mean, I looked at it from uh, all different aspects. So uh, um, religion is based on the belief and the worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal, a personal God, as of in G-O-D, the, mm-hmm. the, um, the capital G, and the God, the uh, the little G. 
So are there, are there ideas about the relationships between science and the religion? So we have to talk more, like, where did this start from? I liked the topic for Christianity um, or spirituality last week when we dug deeper to see where we as Africans got our spirituality from, you know, especially from um, before the white settlers settled in Africa. So our religion mm-hmm. is a social cultural system of des- um, designated behaviors and practices, morals, beliefs, and uh, worldviews, sex, sanctified places, prophecies, ethics, or organizations. This relates humanity or supernatural um, transcendental and spiritual elements. So uh, we have different types of, of um, religions here, as I saw. We have Christianity, which makes up to 2.2 billion people. Islam, 1.6 billion. Hinduism, 1.0. Buddhism, 0.5. And then we have the folk religion, 0.4. So in total, we have 5.8 billion people that belong to different religions. So a folk religion is actually um, any ethnic, ethnic or cultural religious practice that falls outside the doctrine or organized religion. So uh, it's grounded on popular beliefs and sometimes called popular or vernacular religion because it does not belong to any form. So uh, what do you have today, Noah, before we kind of like uh, dig deeper here? Yeah, yeah. So today, of course, we'll share some thoughts with a special emphasis on, of course, the, the mother continent, and this is Africa. So we'll start with Brother Warren, I think, to lay the foundation because we'll look at the evangelical, what are they, where do they come from, and the role of the church. And when we talk about church, we are focusing on Christianity, and then we'll touch on other religions. So, Brother Warren, uh, you kick us off. Uh, so can you lay the foundation of what we are discussing today, the role of religion, what religion is, and the effects of religion on the African continent and how that translates into African-American identity, identifying with religion. Just share some thoughts on, on that. You know, uh, the, the late great heavyweight boxer Muhammad Ali used to dance around in the ring before he gave his <laughs> final blow sometime. And so on last mm-hmm. week, we were like dancing around in the rain, so hopefully tonight <laughs> we'll start swinging the blues. <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely. What, what I would like to narrow this discussion down to a particular brand of Christianity and how it has in, impacted Africa and black peoples worldwide in a negative way. Because when the Christian church started in Asia Minor and Northeast Africa and Western Asia, It was individual churches. And then when the Roman Emperor Constantine, remember the Romans used to persecute Christians. And at that time, Christianity was not an organized religion as such. And so the Emperor Constantine strategically, in order to control elements that were in the Roman Empire, converted to Christianity And from that Roman uh, emperor's conversion, the Roman Catholic Church uh, became. 
And then the church had an eastern branch we call the Orthodox Church. You find those eastern branches in Eastern Europe, Turkey, uh, Egypt, and Ethiopia, those are eastern branches. But the branch of Christianity that has impacted the African continent and black people globally the most is what I would call the Western European Christianity, which was in the form of the Roman Catholic Church, its Protestant offshoots, such as the Lutheran Church, the Methodist Church, and then in the 1980s, what we call non-denominational evangelical Protestantism. And so the introduction of this Western branch of European Christianity began with European colonialization or European conquest and enslavement of African peoples approximately around the 15th century onward. So here we had the Roman Catholic Church, the Pope, declared that people who were not Christians were, number one, pagans, and therefore they were worthy to be enslaved and captured because it was like fighting a war, a battle. So in one sense, when we look at the slave trade that the Europeans uh, participated with, uh, taking Africans, African people, in a sense, are war captives, not war captives so much from other ethnic and tribal groups, but from the European standpoint overall, Africans were worthy in their worldview and their theological interpretation of being enslaved uh, and to be sold as property because they had no souls. So that would be the introduction of this form of uh, Christianity to African people. And then as a result, I have identified three domains where African people have been psychologically damaged as a result of the interaction with white Christians. The first domain is uh, what has been called in the psychology of African people is the belief that white people are a superior, they're godlike and closer to God, and that's why they're more advanced and have more civilization. The second domain of our destroyed psyche is the belief that black people, African people, are inferior, we're sinful, we're evil, bad people, and we're devil worshipers. And the third domain of damage as a result of this relationship with white Christians is we have been exploited. We have been exploited. Our resources have been exploited, our labor, and we have been in our sexually exploited by these missionaries and religious institutions that still operate in the African continent and in communities of black people around the world. Yeah, so thank you, Brother Warren. That is a very broad opening, and we'll try to break it down as much as possible so that our listeners are not lost in the process, because I know somebody was texting me, so I said, no, we'll actually... uh, uh, 
give it more time to share some thoughts so that at least we can really break down and get to the meat of our discussion. So if you are just joining us, you are listening to Primetime Radio Show. This is your host, Noah Lovo, and we are discussing religion. Last week we were focusing on spirituality, but right now we are focusing on religion. What is religion? Religion, in simple terms, simply means the deification of a culture or the deification of a people. So when we look at religion from uh, an African perspective, African people before the arrival of the Europeans had practiced their own form of religion, their own way of worship to their creator. And we discussed last week that God manifested himself or herself in various ways through the wind, the fire, the air, the water, and all those. uh, 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 Those are what we refer to as uh, God attributes, the manifestation of God. So Africans or non-Africans, sometimes you hear, refer to they worship different types of God. So we explained yes last week that that's not necessarily the case because those are attributes. But today we'll zoom in just like Brother Warren had laid out the, in his introduction, there are some negative consequences of some of these belief systems that we have adopted. So we want to make it clear that Christianity in its natural form, is an alien religion which was introduced or brought or forced on uh, black people. So we have to understand that we were not answering the altar call, like the way it's done now, mostly the altar call, you go up in the front and you receive Christ. But during those times, black people did not answer the call they were actually forced into accepting. So one of the clips, if most of you have seen Roots, the Europeans wanted to strip Africans who were brought on the shores, strip everything that reminded them about Africa and who they were as a people. So bear that at the back of your mind that we may say some things that you don't know, So we ask you to write it down because uh, we'll be sharing from history's perspective and different angles. So what I just wanted just to add on to what Brother Warren uh, shared is that there are three aspects of religion. So religion in its true purpose has three intentions or intentionality. One is a cultural and social uh, racial superiority of the people who created it. This is why we find most of our people, uh, we gravitate towards most everything Europeans. It's because we have been programmed to look upon everything European as better than what we have. So that is also something that most people don't really understand about religion because religion, like I say, is the cultural and social superiority of the people who created it. 
And number two, religion brings about the paralysis of analysis. So paralysis of analysis simply means you are only allowed to accept certain truths with small t without analyzing or putting in any uh, what I like to call mental gymnastics. In religion, you, for instance, picture yourself, the preacher is preaching in front of a church. Do you ask questions? The answer is no. On Sunday morning, the service is going on. When the preacher is preaching, you don't ask questions. You simply listen. So that is where, uh, why religion is referred to as the, it creates the polarities of analysis. And the other point is the perpetual empowerment of the agenda intended by it. So most people don't really know that religion has got an, a hidden agenda onto it. So we'll share a little bit more as we proceed, but now we just want to uh, piggyback on, on what Brother Warren has raised here. So can you speak a little bit more, Brother Warren, on the negative effects of religion? I know you mentioned the uh, racial superiority and also you mentioned black people view themselves as inferior and also the exploitation. Can you share a little bit more light? Because I think most of our listeners coming from Zambia and other parts of Africa, they may not have uh, sort of the behind the scenes, what you mean when you, you mention those uh, three impacts that you shared. Can you share a little bit more on that one? Yeah, first let me, let me clarify that the... The teachings of Christ are, are, are teachings I think we all should live by. So I want to make a distinction between the life of Christ and those who have formalized the teachings of Christ into a religion called Christianity. I want to make a distinction between that because what I'm not, what, we, 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 what, what we're not doing is we're not castigating uh, the teachings of Christ and what's taught in the Bible. What we're analyzing is the behavior of people who organize that into uh, a set of uh, denominations and have used that denomination ideologically as aid as a, as a, as a aid for their intentions of conquest, enslavement and the robbing of people's resources. So when we look at the Western branch of European Christianity, that is the Roman Catholic Church and its Protestant offshoots coming all the way down to the 1980s uh, mass explosion of the non-denominational Protestant evangelical churches, what we see is we see white spaces, people from Europe and the United States and Australia who become and in South Africa who become the faces of evangelization of this religion. Now the Catholic Church, uh you know, when the the European uh people from Portugal came to Western and Southern and Central Africa and even Eastern Africa 
they brought priests with them. When the Spanish, who were Catholic, went to the Americas and, and conquered the Americas, they brought priests with them. And the point was that they looked at their colonization as a war against the people that were already there because the people that were already there were declared to be savages, enemies, and worthy to be conquered and defeated in the Christian war. Remember you had the Crusades that existed where Europeans went to Jerusalem to fight the Muslims, okay? So these Europeans, uh, you know, who were not originally Christians, by the way, who also practiced various types of religions that would be called paganism, okay? But at some point when they adopt Christianity, they had a zeal, and so they fight the Muslims in Jerusalem. These were called the Crusades. So the concept and the mindset of Crusades in the Catholic Church continued against black and indigenous people in the Americas. All right, so the first introduction of Christianity we see in many respects, this conquest, when the Portuguese came to the, to the kingdom of Angola, uh, I believe that was called the, uh, the Congo King, kingdom of the Congo and in Angola, the Portuguese settled there and the priests came. The priests began to introduce this to the royalty, the royalty of the Congo and the Angola people. They accepted Catholicism. Many of their children went to school. In Portugal, they learned Portuguese, so they write letters, this whole kind of thing. But to make a long story short, the kingdom of Congo, which was a robust, thriving, urban community, went into political disarray because of the instigation of the Catholic priests that were there. And many people from Congo and Angola were captured in the transatlantic slave trade and brought to the Americas. And this story repeats itself over and over and over again in uh, African history. And so that would be the historical record of the devastation that people who introduced Christianity uh, had on African people. You know, and, and I think uh, Jomo Kenyatta of Kenya, and I think in his book, I don't know if he did it in his book, Facing Mount Kenya, it was a statement. He said, the white man taught us to pray. Okay, he gave us the Bible, and then when we prayed, I'm paraphrasing what he said, when we prayed, he had the land and we had the Bible. <laughs> you know, and so I think that, I think Joel Kenyatta's words sums up the ultimate result of the relationship between white Christians and, and African people who were already spiritual people who looked at these various or Western European denominations as some sort of uh, access or road to advancement and wealth that they saw the Europeans had who became wealthy because they stole from African people. Yeah, well, well said, Brother Warren. Well said, Brother Warren. So uh, it's 9.27, so I think at this time we'll go ahead and take a short break. So when we come back, we'll be listening from Nancy. She'll be sharing her thoughts. So in the meantime, we're going to play a song that will just put you in a relaxed mode. It's a beautiful piece that I 
I've come to love over the years is by a, a guy from uh, Ecuador. His name is Leo Rogers. It's one of the I know most of our people may not have had a chance to listen to Native American music, but if you haven't had a chance to listen to Native American music, here is your chance. Enjoy this classic piece.
Yeah, so that was uh, Leo Rogers, and welcome back. This is the primetime radio show. We are discussing religion. So before we turn it over to Nancy, we have to understand as uh, people that religion that we practice in Africa, we are not in uh, not necessarily in Africa. We are not trying to condemn religion. No. We are simply looking at its origin and its impact and its effect on people. So we are dissecting, we are sharing thoughts, ideas based on research, which everybody, of course, we live in an era where you can easily Google and you can easily Bing some stuff, and you find there's a lot of information out there. So bear that at the back of your mind that we are analyzing religion, what what role has religion played for us? Why do we see churches in, in Europe closing down? And why do we see churches springing up almost at every corner on the African continent? What is, the, what is it that we are missing? What gets our people excited about religion? So that is basically what we're discussing here. So let me try to answer one or two things on what I've say, shared there. So our people by nature are a spiritual people. This is why uh, you see most of our people tend to gravitate to the things of God. It's because by nature as a people we want to be uh, surrounded by the presence and the spirit of God. But the problem that has happened is that we have mistaken religion as a spirituality. So we shared, if you haven't uh, listened to our last show, we encourage you to listen to our previous show. You can search it on uh, Block Talk Radio. It's there for anyone. So before we proceed, I just wanted to make mention what Professor John Henry Clark said. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells the people where they have been, where they are, and what they are. Most importantly, History tells the people where they still must go and what they still must be. The relationship of history is a relationship of a mother to a child. So what am I trying to say here? When you lose your history as a people and adopt a foreign history or a foreign concept called religion, because you have to bear at the back of your mind that African people worshipped prior to the arrival of the Europeans. Now, when the Europeans came on the scene, our people ditched or abandoned their ways of worship. So there is a good story which is depicted in a fictional sense in in Things Fall Apart. You ask yourself a question, why is the title Things Fall Apart? It's because when the Africans had adopted a foreign religion, they they, that's when things started falling apart in the African sense. Of course, when you look at the same presentation of history, or which you refer to as religion, it benefited the Europeans, just like you've heard the president, uh, uh, I think it's from, I don't know, from Kenya, said 
The Europeans came, gave us the Bible, they had us close our eyes, and when we opened our eyes, they, we had lost the land, we had lost all the mineral wealth. So this is basically what we are discussing today. When you adopt a foreign culture, which is religion, and you adopt a god who does not look like you, most people tend to worship or look on to white people because they come in the image of God. This is why most people look at white people as a symbol of authority for us black people. When you go everywhere, I think in Africa, imagine you are standing on a queue and there is a white person there. Most Africans would want to attend to the white person because in our psyche, we have been indoctrinated to think that white people are superior. That is what Brother Warren was sharing or uh, talking about when he says that has damaged our African people because black people by nature look at themselves to be inferior to whites. So that is a very good point that we have to understand that we had our own ways of worship prior to the arrival of the Europeans. But when the Europeans came in, that's when things started falling apart. I encourage you all to listen, uh, to read the book by Chinua Chebe, who is a Nigerian author. He, Okonko comes to Ufumo village. I may be pronouncing the, the village wrongly, and discovers things are just falling apart. The Europeans had come, they have conquered the land and things like that. So now at this point, we're going to have Nancy share some thoughts on religion from a Zambian perspective. Nancy, over to you. Okay, so Nancy may not be able to speak at this point. So I think while we are waiting for Nancy to uh, connect, so Brother Warren, can you share a little bit about uh, the Christianity? Because Nancy, she, once she comes back, she's going to talk about Maybe. Christianity uh, from Zambian perspective. No. Oh, okay. okay. Hello. Oh, no, you are back. Okay. Yeah, so Brother yeah, Warren, I'm you uh, I think talk I'll about... Oh, okay, good, good. Yeah, so can you share with our listeners on religion from a Zambian perspective? So, uh, thank you so much for that uh, foundation, uh, Noah and Brother Warren. I know you are really rich in uh, history. Um, when I looked at um, the, the uh, origin of religion, the, the uh, um, origin is not really certain. It's so uncertain. There's so many numbers of uh, theories regarding the subsequent origins of religious practices, as uh, Noah and um, Brother Warren said already. So our religion in Zambia, as you can see, uh, Christianity is about 95.5%. Why is Zambia a predominantly Christian country? Um, it's actually because of what they've already um, answered, because uh, we had the white settlers who went to Zambia, of course, as missionaries to, you know, to preach about Christianity. And um, that's how the indigenous Zambian people got into uh, Christianity. So uh, although few have totally abandoned all aspects of traditional beliefs, the first Christian missions arrived before the colonial rule, and the growth of adherence was greatly assisted by the schools that were established then. 
so uh, because uh, when they went there, the white settlers, when they went to Zambia, they actually established a lot of schools, the Catholic schools. So uh, that's why you find that uh, most of the people there are Catholics. So uh, more than three-fourths of Zambians identify as Protestants, while Roman Catholics make up to one-fifth of the population. The growth of the fundamentalist churches has been particularly noticeable since independence, and the government of the newly independent countries soon ran into conflict with two predominant um, faiths, which were uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and the Lumpa Church. The Asian community is predominantly Hindu, and the rest are mainly Muslims. But then I was just wondering why uh, there are few Muslims in African population. Noah, would you say anything about that? Why we have few Muslims in the African population? Yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so let me respond to that, and then we'll have Brother Warren share on religion from an African-American perspective. Yeah, so religion is usually a geographical, cultural belief. If you grew up in the Far East, for, for instance, India, in India there are no Christians there. I mean, there may be a few here and there, but the predominant religion of the in the Asian part, like India, it's Hindu. And if you go to Japan and other places like China and those places, you don't find Hindus there, you find Buddhists. And if you go to Western Asia, which is Europe, you find Christians. And if you go in the Persian, uh, in the Gulf Coast area or Middle East, you find most of the Arabian uh, territory there, they are Muslims. It's because that's where uh, the settlers settled, and then that was the cultural um, religion at the time. For instance, if you, Nancy, were born in Saudi Arabia, you were not going to be a Christian. You are going to be a Muslim. If I was born, for instance, in India, I was going to be a Hindu. So religion is usually a territorial practice. So, for instance, when we look at ourselves in Africa, as Zambians, most of the religion in Africa is over 90%. Ask yourself a question, why, why, why is that? It's because of influence of the Europeans when they came to the African territory. The, their intentions were not necessarily to uh, civilize the the blacks or the Africans, because civilization began in Africa along the banks of the Nile River. So there is a lot, of course, that's a different discussion for another day, but religion is usually based on the culture. So we have been, we were colonized by the Europeans, so this is why we ended up having religion, because it was the religion of the Europeans. And then, like I mentioned, our people were not going to the altar to receive Christ. It was slapped into them. They, it was forced into them because when Africans were made to accept by force, by the way, they were made to accept it by force or they had no option because the Europeans wanted to take over the African territory. So now let's... Let's talk about religion from an African-American perspective. So, Brother Warren, could you share some thoughts on the uh, identity of Africans as it relates to religion and how were the first Africans who came uh, off the shores of the continent coming up to this part, how did they 
how how did they maintain sanity uh, after they were brought in to these parts? How did they just uh, uh, maneuver themselves to remain sane, uh, looking at all the dehumanization that they had to go through under the hands of the the Europeans in the name of religion or Christianity? Well, uh, the the um the the slave trade uh the actual process of taking africans from africa to the americas was approximately a 400 year ordeal from approximately the latter 1400s all the way up to the 1860s africans were brought to what is present day united states uh jamaica cuba haiti brazil all of these places and they represented a cross-section of African language and culture groups, and about, oh, 25% were already Muslims coming in from Western Africa, uh, the African kingdoms of Ghana, Mali, Songhoi, were Muslim uh, empires in Western Africa, the House of States, these were Muslim empires. So... So they practiced their traditional African religions and Islam. And so basically, because they were uh, enslaved, they were fighting enslavement from the time they were on the ships. That, that, that's the origin of Pan-Africanism, when you had these different language groups and culture groups on those ships uh, in a strange situation, <laughs> wondering what's going on, they begin to resist. And so that resistance manifested itself in the European, the Western European religion. Now, let's look at the United States because we don't want to, you can't go look at every population group. In the United States, which was a British territory, the people, the whites who became Americans were Anglican, they were Methodist, they were Baptist. So the black people, uh, you know, who were enslaved by these people, uh, you know, went to church with the whites during enslavement. But what they did was they hid, they concealed a lot of their African practices underneath the Christian religion on the front. And they interpreted Christianity as a way for freedom for themselves. So whereby the whites were teaching them to be obedient slaves and good slaves, they were, doing, they were looking at it as the opposite. And let me give an example. The, uh, the, the Bible story uh, in the Old Testament of uh, the Hebrews being enslaved by, the, by Egypt and Pharaoh not letting them go, enslaved blacks in the United States saw themselves in that story as the, as the Hebrews being enslaved. And so one of, the, one of the fears of slave owners uh, was, because there was a debate, by the way, among slaveholders whether or not should they introduce Christianity to enslaved Africans, because some were concerned that if the Africans believed Christianity like the whites, then they would want to express their freedom. Slaveholders did not want enslaved Africans to express freedom. That was a threat to the system. And so black people in their worship 
developed a different type of worship from the whites. We prayed differently. In fact, enslaved blacks used to pray on the plantation. They were beaten. So they had to they had to hide to pray. They had to go out into the woods and what they call a hush harbor. And I'm telling you the truth, this is well documented. You heard these stories in the family. They would have to go out and they would have to put their heads into like a pot so they could not be heard praying. Why? Because they would be praying for freedom. And so we prayed differently. We sang songs differently. And we diminished the priestly sermon differently. And this was a way to escape the supervision and the control of white people. So that so now the general issue of brainwashing, how Christianity brainwashes black people, exists. That argument exists among us, but at the same time that that concern exists, they are definitely defiant. The civil rights movement in the United States, that is the movement that fought legal segregation was rooted in the African-American the African-American churches. The mass meetings were held in the churches. The black ministers were the ones initially who were the spokespersons because they had congregations that took care of them. They had homes that the church owned, so the black minister didn't have to worry about being fired from their jobs. So the black ministers tended to be the, the quote-unquote, the freest type of spokesperson to express uh, outrage for the legal Jim Crow's. And if you're watching the old footage uh, during the Civil Rights Movement, the 1950s and 60s, you would see a lot of mass movements being held in the church. So here go, here go to the point. And, and, and I tell other African Americans this: If black people in the United States were brainwashed by Christianity, why did we number one? Why did we want to have our own churches separate from white people? Number one, number two, why did we use the church for mass meetings to fight segregation? And so that becomes examples of how it's more complex when you're talking about the black experience in the United States and Christianity. Black people use their Christianity to challenge white people in their racism and white people's attempt to reduce us to servants and slaves. We use Christianity to fight that. Yeah, yeah. The, the, thank you, Brother Warren. So we, we're going to open up the line in a few minutes, but let me just try to piggyback on uh, to what Brother Warren has said. So we are discussing religion, and we have said that religion is the means by which the Europeans were able to overcome our African brothers and sisters. And we have stated that Christianity, what we practice as Christianity, was forced on African people. And then let me give a concrete example that will put, I think, a lot of these things in perspective. See, there is a book which was done, I think, some time back, just recently. It's called God Against the Indians. So this will give you an example like why we say religion is used to manipulate other people. So the missionaries were having a hard time 
evangelizing or what they call civilizing the the Indians or the Pinachi Indians. So they would say, you are a sinner and you have lost your way to God. But the unfortunate thing is, in according to the Pinachi Indians tradition, there is no word for sin or guilt in their language. So the missionaries under the Catholic Church wrote a version of the Bible which says that the Pinachi Indians killed Jesus. And in the Pinachi version of the Bible, there is no Pontius Pilate and there is no Judas. So that Bible was written specifically to put the blame on the Pinachi Indians to inculcate into their heads that they killed Jesus. So when the Pinachi Indians heard that, then they say, oh, I don't want to go to hell. What can I do? So this is when the, the, the missionaries were coming up with this. Since you, have, you killed Jesus, therefore, you have to find salvation through uh, accepting Jesus. So the point I'm trying to make here is I want you all to read the book, God Against the Indians. Now, the question you have to ask yourself is, if convincing the Pinachi Indians to accept Christ, they had to rewrite the Bible, putting, removing Judas Iscariot, removing Pontius Pilate, and then removing, uh, putting the fault of Jesus' death on the Pinachi Indians. What else? I want you now to think, don't have, you don't have to answer. Think for yourselves, what else was added or subtracted onto the Bible? If there's a version that says the Penachi Indians, they are the ones who killed Jesus. So I just wanted just to put that thought out there. And then last thought, I just want to sort of quantify what we're talking about when we say religion is used as a means to control people. We have some of these countries where most people when they hear the word of God, they think it's God is going to be upset with them if they don't just bow down to everything that the preacher says. Actually, I personally feel God is upset with most of our African people. This is why we are in the slums that we are as a people, because we have forgotten our culture. The Bible is very clear when it says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet to lose his soul? Most of you, you have heard a different interpretation of that verse, but here is what uh, makes sense to me. My interpretation of that verse is God connects to us as a people through the Spirit, and we connect to ourselves through the soul, and the body connects us to this earth. So we are three in one, the body, the Spirit, and the soul. So when you have conquered the whole world, you accept foreign concepts of doctrine about God that, coming, that comes from a different people. You have conquered the world, but you have lost your soul. Because how do you lose your soul? You lose your soul by losing touch with your Africanness. Africans worship in a particular way before the Europeans. So when the Bible talks about uh, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet to lose your soul, you lose your soul when you do not connect with your African roots. This is why they say 
a tree without roots will fall. So we as African people have lost ourselves. We have lost our mind. Chinua Achebe tried to tell us in the book, things fall apart. How come you have uh, failed for some of these concepts and religion? And we see even when it's time for elections there in some countries, people want to, uh, to align themselves with God. They do that not that they care about God because they want you to vote for them. They want to impress upon your mind thinking that they are Christians and then the other side they are not Christians. So you can't say they use Christianity for good. They use Christianity for the vote. The same is true for the evangelical here. Uh, people may claim that they care about the unborn child. So you have most of these parties, the Republican Party, saying they support uh, their pro-life, but when people are getting shot out there in the streets, nobody says something. Would it, isn't God interested in all forms of life? Whether the unborn is all, is God only interested in life of the unborn child? Or isn't God interested in all forms of life? And then you have the Democrats all on the other side. People choose to worship or vote for whichever party, but that doesn't mean that one party is better than the other one. It's a personal conviction to vote for a whichever party. The same is true in Zambia. You can vote for whichever party, but don't mislead yourself into thinking that this party is, is aligns itself with God, because with God, all lives matter. So with that, we're going to open up our lines and see if our listeners have got some something to add. So if you have a question, you have a comment, you have a thought, feel free to jump in. All the lines are unmuted. I know uh, Mr. Kelvin has been wanting to share some thoughts. Mr. Kelvin, you are through, if you have something to share. I'm online. I'm on the line. I hope uh, the listeners can uh, hear me. Good evening. Yeah, we can hear you. Go, and, go ahead with your presenters. Thoughts. Okay, my thought uh, is just an additional part, and I'm going to be simple in breaking down the subject into a more liberal and uh, maybe in a secular form, because I don't really want to tie myself to, to a more racial separation, because uh, Christianity and religion is based on uh, racial groups. As in definition, it says it's a conviction in which people hold something to be true, the, I can say, holistically believe in something and you can't just change them because that's what they feel it is. It is usually an organized community-based system uh, of believers. Some are in churches and social groups in different cultures with their own name differently. Like, like maybe the way you broke it, you broke it down in the what uh, uh, in the topic. There are Muslims, there are Hindus, there are Christians. All those groups are based basically in one column called uh, religion. But uh, on a what secular form, we have religion. For instance, uh, when we go to these uh, fa fast food stores. There's a pattern in the way we do things. When you enter that, sh that store, you go to the service counter, you make your order, 
then you go maybe to the amenities, parks and amenities, and it's when you look at it, it's more like a pattern. Everyone is almost doing the same thing. That's almost more on a, a more liberal way, apart from uh, relating uh, religion to a, to a church or a belief uh, of a study of worship. We are attached to so many forms of uh, behaviors that uh, can be termed to say, we are more religiously in that form or a pattern. I, I hope that makes maybe a bit of sense. For instance, uh, we said there is a Bible, but when you look at how nations are created, we've got maybe an American system, which is followed by a design of a, a constitution, but uh, a constitution is just a, a number of uh, guidelines that help us to conduct ourselves in a certain way. It con controls behavior. Same as Christianity, there is a Bible in, in form of uh, Christianity. The Islam people, I think they've got, uh, what, what do they call the uh, Quran? So there are a set of rules. So the, 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 the bracket which we are working in is just religion guides you into a belief but you are presented with certain rules that governs you. Uh, like when I talk about a restaurant, it's, there's a chart when you walk in what, presenting what you can order from a particular restaurant. Those are the rules and pattern on what they can only serve in that restaurant. You can't ch uh, change them. For instance, if you are a Zambian to go in a, in a Mexican uh, restaurant to say, I want to order Shima and Zimbombo, they won't understand. So I think on that, maybe just that simple contribution, uh, I can let it up for other people also maybe to, to give the way they, 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 they sound or maybe find it as a, a, a term. Okay, no, we appreciate you, uh, mm -hmm. Brother Kelvin, for sharing. So let's go to Dorothy. Dorothy, what are your thoughts? Question, comment, thoughts? So it looks like Dorothy may not be able to speak at this point. Mm -hmm. So let's continue having the conversation on Christianity. I think somebody had asked a question for me to share, uh, give an example, uh, one more example. Okay, yeah. So you see, there is a book which was written by Edwin, I think it's Edwin W. Smith. I could be wrong, I think, but yeah, the first name is Edwin. The book is entitled The Golden Stool. So in the golden stool, it lays down the intentionality of the Europeans uh, when it talks about Christianity. So Christianity was a vehicle which was used to enslave or to capture or to conquer Africa. And the current day politicians on the African continent use Christianity or religion to win votes, not really like they care about God. So when you look at the... Uh, in the book, The Golden Stew. In The Golden Stew, actually, it's very fascinating read. I encourage you to get the book, The Golden Stew. So in The Golden Stew, this book was done by, the exact name is Edwin W. Smith, and on page 173, 
It says, to win a people for Christ, it is necessary to Europeanize them. I'll say that again. In order to win a people to Christ, the first thing that you have to do is you have to Europeanize them. Now, some of you, you may ask, who is uh, Edwin W. Smith? He is a missionary. So they were, they were plotting out the, the plan. Let's go to Africa. These people have got all the minerals, all the diamonds, all the resources. But what we have to do is for us to Europeanize them. Some of you, you may say, we, we want to modernize Africa because change them from their pagan ways. We, we discussed last time what we mean by pagan. Pagan simply means believing a different thing. So the Africans, when they were uh, worshipping, not under the Christian banner, they were considered by the Europeans as pagan. So you find that Pope Nicholas in 1452, I think in the 1452, said, you have been authorized, talking to Spain and Portugal, you have been authorized to reduce to servitude all infidels. Usually infidels, most of us, we hear that term when it's referred to the, uh, the Muslims. Don't feel guilty because you are doing this to infidels. These are pagans. These are people without swords. There was one time when African people were referred to as savages. I think this is uh, very uh, just in modern times. The Native Americans here, they were treated as savages. If you can call a people savages, then you can act towards them savagely. So the process that most of our African brothers who went through was very inhumane. The humanity was stripped out of them. So in the Gordon story, Edwin uh, W. Smith, who is a missionary, says, to win a people for Christ, it is necessary to Europeanize them. Behind all systems of administration lies the fundamental question of what we intend to make of the African. I rest my case right there. If you want to hide something from a black person, what do you do? You put it in a book. So I have shared two books here where the Bible was just written to fit a particular agenda, to to evangelize to the Panache Indians. The title of the book is called The God Against the Indians. Now, there's another book. It's called The Golden Stew, where they lay down the agenda. We want to Europeanize these pagans, these Africans, these savages. Let's teach them how to worship. Now, the Bible talks about when you have lost, you have gained the whole world, but you've lost your soul. To lose your soul is to believe in things that are pagan, that are not native to you. That is how you lose your soul, because God connects to you through your spirit. The body connects you to the earth. When you die, your body disappears. To dust thou art, to dust thou shalt return. When you die, the only thing that happens is your body becomes not part of you. Your spirit and your soul, they live on. We can talk about that in a different setting. But I just wanted to share, to answer the question where somebody was asking me to give some specific example. So those are two specific examples of how Christianity is used as a tool to 
capture our African folks. So let's see if somebody else has a question before we throw it to Brother Warren. And I don't know if you are able to speak, Dorothy. Oh, oh Dorothy is just listening. So, Brother Warren, uh, can you share a little bit about uh, the black identity? How, wh- wh- how, because you mentioned that the, the way black people worship differs from the way white people worship. What is the main difference? Because I know last time you and I, we had a conversation where we are talking about people getting into this trance, jumping up and down. It's so lively in the black church. Can you share with our listeners why that is the case? Yeah. Now, before I get to, get to that, I want to uh, go back to the examples you were giving for, for our listeners. So I wanted mm-hmm. to get Jomo Kenyatta's quote uh, accurately. Uh, Jomo Kenyatta said, when the missionaries arrived, we had the land and they had the Bible. They taught us to pray with our eyes closed. And when we opened our eyes, they had the land and we had the Bible. Now, you can teach a sermon. <laughs> Sermons can be preached from that, you see. Mm-hmm. And that comes from an African who fought against the British. Okay? I mean, you can have a whole, a whole thing on that. And then the second thing I wanted to say, uh, there is a movie that was made in the mid-1990s by an Ethiopian filmmaker who's been living in the United States for over 40 years. His name is Haile Garima, and he lives in Washington, D.C., and he made a movie called Sankofa. And I urge many people to really, I don't know if you had a chance to see that, Noah or Nancy, have you all seen Sankofa? No, 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 actually, I've heard of it. I mean, I've heard the uh, explanation, but I haven't really watched it myself. It's a very powerful movie. And Holly Garima is an independent black filmmaker. He came from Ethiopia to the United States in the 1960s. He was highly influenced and inspired by African Americans because many Africans who came here in the 1960s they were right in they were right in the midst of all what was going on, and so they have a, a understanding. But that movie, by the way, he had to distribute that movie independently, and that movie went around the nation and movie theaters and everything. He made the money from it, and it was a it's a very powerful movie. And and I'm not trying to evade the question you asked me, but I just wanted to throw this out there. And, and basically, this is the crux of the movie. Uh, there's a, a African-American woman who's a model. She's in Ghana. She's at the, uh, the, the uh, slave fort in, uh, in, in Cape Coast, Ghana, Elmina Castle. And a white guy is snapping her pictures. And she's posing all erotically. So a Ghanaian sister, I'm, not, I'm sorry, it's a Ghanaian man, an elder, and the tree language tells her, go back to your source. Now, the word Sankofa is an icon word, which means you must look back in order to go forward. And the image is a bird with his head turned backwards. So this elder, mm-hmm. and she didn't understand what the elder was saying to her. And he was, he was telling her how disrespectful what they were doing in that slave dungeon where so many people had been kidnapped and captured 
And he was telling him that in, 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 in the tweet language. And so what happens is, all of a sudden, the woman goes back in time. The actual castle she's taking pictures in as a model, she becomes a slave in that castle and gets sent to the Americas. And she lives her life during enslavement. And in the movie, the, even the role of religion, how it was used to, to, uh, to promote blacks to be slaves, so, so all this in there. But anyway, that movie is very, very powerful for, for what we've been mm-hmm. talking about for, for last week and this week. But basically, the African-Americans' response to religion was to uh, maintain a lot of the rhythmic practices of African religions, even though blacks accepted the theology of Christianity, that Christ is your Savior, when it came to the worship aspect, we 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 syncretized that with African sentiment and singing and praying and even translate translate situations uh, that would occur, and and and, and that made the African American church uh, different from the white church. Now the black people who had church services. Like the white people, they were the very well-educated, upper-crust, uh, bourgeoisie-type black people who really didn't uh, appreciate the masses. But those were very, those were a small element of the African-American population. But the African-American churches basically were Baptist churches, uh, black Baptist organizations, in a church called the African Methodist Episcopal Church that was developed in the late 1700s by blacks who left the white Methodist church because they were being put up in the balcony. And the whites, the whites had the black people sitting up in the balcony. And so these blacks in the late 1700s created a new denomination called the AME, the African Methodist Episcopal Church, which, by the way, even South Africa at some point, that denomination even went to South Africa. And so the African-American church, and when you say the black church, these are specific denominations, not just a church where it happens to be all black. For example, you have black Catholics, but a black Catholic church is not really the black church because who controls the Catholic churches? The the Pope and the bishops, who are what? White people, right? So, So... now, but let me tell you what happened in the black Catholic churches. In the 1960s, the uh, Vatican had the Second Vatican Conference, which called for the indigenization of mass among peoples around the world so people's masses could reflect their culture. So black Catholics in the United States who went to mass where they spoke Latin, <laughs> who understood Latin, where they spoke Latin, then you begin to have gospel music in the black Catholic churches like you had in the black Protestant churches as a result of that Second Vatican Conference. So this was a way for black people to maintain their psychological sanity in a very cruel, brutal system that sought to see us as non-human and to be just solely servants of, uh, of whites. The 1960s, 
the young people, and those young people today would be in their mid-70s and early 80s. <laughs> would you believe that? In the 1960s, <laughs> it was the young people, the young black people who asserted and put an emphasis on black pride, I'm black and I'm beautiful, the natural hair of black people. You started seeing blacks wearing afros. Black females started wearing afros, started wearing braids. And that was an attempt to break the psychological prison that blacks were held in to believe that everything about them was inferior to whites, even their hair and their beauty standards. Because in the black community, many of your school, your college beauty queens tended to be lighter complexion, so on and so forth. But when the black the Black is Beautiful movement came that broke that in the United States among the black people. So people of darker complexion and natural hair began to be promoted. And, of course, we had rocky roads with that. So in the 1980s, we started going back to the, that in the United States. So you see it in flux. So all of this is an attempt to destroy the lie that we have been inculcated by white Christians in a subtle and not so subtle way that they are closer to God and we must aspire to be like them. And I want to challenge the continental Africans, those on the African continent who are Christians, to, in, to implement two things in the churches. Number one, to spread the gospel that black people are not superior and whites are uh, black people are not inferior, and that whites are not superior, and whites are not godlike, and to use the Christian religion as a way to challenge and push back on European governments and the American government on exploiting African people and manipulating their governments to surrender their resources to Europe and to the American government. Well said, well said, Brother Warren. To that, I just want to add, because somebody texted me a question. You see, there's a book that was written, I mentioned the title is The Golden Stool, and on page 186. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing that we have a, our people don't read, so we encourage our people to read. We do this show to share information, like we discussed last week, if you don't know something about something you don't you can't challenge that so we said so i said something last week to the effect that you may know what you know about what you know but what but that does not mean you know all there is to know about what you know there is always more to know so because i know one of the challenges that we have as our people is when it comes to matters of religion we think god is going to be happy with us if we just went along and said nothing and we don't question anything. But when you read the book on 100, page 186, it says, this is a missionary telling the story, not just me, Noah, talking. This is a missionary who was uh, involved, said on page 186, the first method begins by destroying the institutions of the African, their tradition, religion, and their habits and, and the habits of the people, and then superimpose upon the ruins whatever the governing powers considers to be a better administration. They 
explain it out in black and white, they, uh, their intention was to destroy the institutions of the African, the tradition, and replace the religion of the African, and then superimpose what they think. And then they goes on to say, the Af- the, uh, we shall mm-hmm. impose what we think is best for the Africans. This is why when we say religion was used as a tool to destroy black people, that is the evidence, ladies and gentlemen. It's written in a book. It's not just coming like we are trying to attack. No, no. We are trying to share information from the perspectives of the people who wrote some of these books. So even the Bible talks about you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The Bible doesn't say you shall believe the truth. No, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So what we've been able to share is thoughts, historical perspective, the Pope who sanctioned slavery was, again, the Catholic Church. The church said it is okay to capture and conquer these infidels or these pagans, these Africans, because they are savages. So there's a lot that, of course, we can share, but I think we're going to go ahead and bring it to a close. So, Nancy, as we are winding down, your final thoughts. Well, 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 well. Um, anyway, for the past two weeks, this has been a very, very um, deep topic, spirituality and religion. As you know, we can really go harder. As we have uh, our Brother Warren and Noah, they are so passionate about uh, some of these topics. So uh, what do I take from this uh, show today? So now I know that um, the reasons why Christianity is the larger religion in the world is because... Um, uh, Christianity was uh, propagated throughout the world via missionary work, especially in Africa and most of those uh, nations which were most welcoming to the missions, the missionaries. And then we have few Muslims, probably they were not welcoming to those missionaries into their regions. As Mr. Kevin said that you can go, you, of course, you cannot go and buy a Yonkubala or tortas from a Mexican restaurant. So uh, basically how religion is divided is because culturally is because of where these people settled and what really transpired in those um, regions. So uh, right now, as Noah decide or agrees to say, as Africans, we, we ran away from our own uh, traditions because of the uh, white settlers who came to persuade us to become uh, Christians. So what's the way forward for us now? Because some of us were born to be Christians. That's all what I know. So as I end this show, the question is, where do we go? Are we going back to the old uh, ancient days of voodoo practices, or what do we do? Yeah, I end my show. <laughs> yeah, no, thank, thank you for sharing, Nancy. Yeah, so we are not asking people. In fact, voodoo is a tradition. It's one of the African ways of worship, which is still practiced in Benin and most of the West African countries. And it has been tainted. That's a very good point that you brought up, Nancy. You see, voodoo has been tainted. It has been made to look evil because the Europeans wanted to inculcate or indoctrinate into our heads that 
Christianity was better. Is this is documented in the book which I just shared, the Golden Stool on page 186. It talks about we have to break the African institutions and replace their religion, so that of course the president is it Jomo Kenyatta said. We had our eyes closed, they handed us the Bible, and then we lost the land. So you can <laughs> tell religion was eyes. used. Yeah, so we will we, 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 we discuss, we'll discuss it further, but let's go <laughs> to Brother Warren to, to share some thoughts, because we can talk, Brother Warren and I, we have done our homework, we can talk for days, but we know people have to, have to sleep. So Brother Warren, if you can summarize... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I would like now. This now I'm, I'm being an instigator now, but it would be interesting if those on the African continent would read the quote by Jomo Kenyatta, and then ask the pastors of their churches, "Could you tell us what you think Jomo Kenyatta meant?" Now that would be a revolution all over Africa with the Christians for the congregants to kind of ask the pastor to give a uh, a commentary on what Jomo Kenyatta says. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brother do, Warren, Brother Warren I actually like that yeah. quote, you know, like uh, we were handed the Bibles with our eyes closed, and then when we opened our eyes, we had the Bibles, but the land was gone. The minerals were they gone. Had the <laughs> land. And, and, and I think that, I think that, what we what we all have to do as black people now is look at our relationship to those who introduced us this version of Christianity. Why are they wealthy? Why are they rich? Why do they make the rules? And why are we beggars? What is it about the Christianity that we learn from them where it doesn't empower us as it may appear to empower them? And so, therefore, you get congregants in the various churches on the African continent to ask their pastors, are they capable of giving an opinion on what Jomo Kenyatta said? Then what we would have is we would have thinking going on with religion to serve us. See, religion is supposed to serve the people. People are not supposed to serve religion. We serve God, but God is not religion per se. You see what I'm saying? So the religion is supposed to serve the people. So Europeans made sure that the Christianity that they developed served them in their aim to conquer other people in other people's land. And then they, they taught us to look at religion as something we must serve and to believe that somehow because of some transgression and sin that we committed in the past, then we have to work towards God to be considered worthy. That's kind of like what they implanted in our deep subconscious. And that's when we must destroy that myth and that lie. We, we must destroy that. And, and I think that that's the type of revolution consciously because physical revolutions take place only when the consciousness changes, when the consciousness is transformed, when the chain on the mind is broken, when the prison that the mind has been in, when there's a mental prison escape, when we bust mm -hmm. out of the mental prison like, like prisoners who are unjustly jailed supposed to be, that's when there's a physical change in the land. Well, well said, Brother Warren. 
So yeah. I just want okay. yeah. to uh, so in a minute so or less now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I just got on that, uh, Brother Warren, I say, so just um, to think about the way for us, blacks, where are we going next? Should that be our next topic? To kind of just gravitate to, you know, from what we've discussed today and last week, to say we were brainwashed <laughs> by the white people. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where do we go mm-hmm. from now? Yeah, so yeah, I think we're going to have to... Yeah, so Brother Warren, just throw in your question for a few seconds because we are going to time out. Okay. The question we should ask ourselves is, did God intend for us to be beggars and did God intend for us to be exploited and mistreated by other people? That's the theological debate we should have among ourselves. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Brother Warren. So we have come to the end of our program, but I just wanted just to share some thoughts in a minute. We have been talking from last week to now. Last week we shared on spirituality. Spirituality simply means to be pure and to be original. And religion was a tool which was used to manipulate our people. Of course, this is all documented. I'm not making it up. I've given you the book. You can check in the books. They actually documented everything. So what we need to do as a people is to open our eyes because the Bible talks about you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And most people want to cling to certain things that they don't understand and they look at people who uh, share some thoughts like uh, these people are just trying to say things uh, that they don't understand. No, if what we've been able to share is something that can be documented in history it's been echoed by President Kenyatta. It's been uh, Chino Achebe. And most of you know what we're saying here, that the Europeans capitalized on Christianity to enslave our minds. We, we had the Bible in which most people feel like they can't even say anything. They think God is going to be happy with them. God does not tolerate people who are ignorant, people who don't think. God gave us the brain to analyze to categorize, to process information, not just to say, no, we'll pray to God. God wants us to think. This is why the Bible talks about you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Hopefully you've been able to learn one or two things from what we have shared last week and this week. So we'll continue next week. I think the next topic we can have next week is we'll discuss on culture, and we'll connect the dots, because culture influences how people think, behave, act, and things like that. So this has been our interesting show. You can reach, reach out to me or Brother Warren or Nancy. We are happy to share some thoughts and continue the conversation. But we're going to leave it at that and just ask you to join us next week at the same time as we continue these beautiful conversations. So we leave you with this beautiful song until we meet next week. Thank you.